John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come to give life and give it more abundantly. God moment number four, there's nothing the Lord won't do for you. This is Sean and the Word. Hey, God bless you, man. It's so good to be with you again. We just trust that the Lord is blessing you and your family. As we read earlier, we talked about the, 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 the Lord giving abundance. And uh, we talked about this being God moment number four. And what, what, what I'm wanting to do in these God moments is talk about times in my life that are not always the best times. <laughs> There's sometimes that they're struggled, as you've heard in the past couple episodes. But also there are times of victory. As you will hear in this episode, there's times where God just shows up in a mighty way and he just gives victory as only he can. And I love that. I love it when there's moments when the Lord truly steps in and makes a difference to help me, to keep me, and to bless me. Now, in this episode, I want to share with you about an opportunity I had to go to Israel and meet some dear friends and experience God's goodness through these historical sites. Jesus says that there is an enemy, and in John 10, 10, he says that there's an enemy, and he's a thief. And this thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. This thief is focused on not just stopping us, but doing whatever he can to destroy us. And we see that all over the world, how God... Has his people, his his agenda, his ways, and how the enemy and the thief wants to come in and try to steal. But in that same breath that Jesus said, he says in that same breath, there is one. There might be one who's out to get you, but there's one who not only wants to stop the work of the thief, but he says his sole purpose is so that you may have life and have this life in abundance. Think about that for a second. Think about God gave his life and said his sole purpose for coming to live and die so that would uh, that whoever would believe in him would have that life and have it abundantly. When I think about abundant life, I think about an overflowing cup. So, you know, cups are designed, you know, they're, they're, they're designed and, and crafted and made for specific reasons to hold liquid. Now imagine if a liquid uh, is poured into a cup and, and, and it overflows it because there's too much. There's an abundance of that liquid and it causes that cup to overflow. See, living a life, we are, we are on this earth to not just exist but to live. Not everyone who dies truly lives, amen? God has given us a purpose. He has given us meaning. He has given us what it means to truly be about life, that we can leave a legacy. We can impact others. We can, it's more than just about what we can collect and what we can spend and what we can gather. Life, we're made and created to live life. And Jesus says, I want to give you that life. I want to give you this life of purpose. I want to give you this life of, of hope. I want to give you this life of joy. I want to give you this, this life that touches and impacts people. 
And he says, I want to give you that life in abundance. I want that life to overflow from you. <laughs> it's what I think of and when I think about Ephesians. It says uh, he can do exceedingly, abundantly, more than we can ever think, ask, or imagine. You know, Jesus is not just merely trying to get us by. He's not just merely trying to get us to, to eke through this life or eke through this existence. Jesus wants us to excel. Jesus wants us to overflow in the life that he has for us. The very, he's saying the very things that truly make up life and makes life what it's all about is given to you. And it's given to us in great measure by the Lord. Purpose, meaning, family, friends, love for others, enjoyment of others, impact, legacy. God is a God who wants to not only give you and supply you with the very things that you that truly makes up life, but he does that in abundance. Experiences, memories, laughter, fellowship, love. I shared with you before several episodes ago about the opportunity I had to go to Israel in 2006 and how the Lord supernaturally provided at the last minute through the church in Tuig. Well, in 2007, the summer of 2007, I had another opportunity to go back to Israel. But this time I had something in my heart, a vision of what I would do while I was there. I guess it was my first prepared mission trip in leading others. <laughs> well, what was in my heart, number one, I, was, I took my, my roommate. He had lost his mom while we were in Bible college, and um, I really felt the Lord leading me to take him, that it would be a great time for him to get refreshed and renewed in the Holy Spirit. His name was Austin, and I took Austin, and this is what was on our heart. Number one, we were going to tour and enjoy the land and science. We were really going to soak in, learn, be educated, but really just sit at God's feet. The second thing was going to visit and encourage some believers. We're going to look for the Lord to lead us to some believers and look to encourage them and be a blessing to them. And the third thing is we were going to pray and we were going to ask God to open heaven on behalf of that nation and provide for them shepherds. I mean, those are the three things that God had put on our heart. And we're sitting there, and I, you know, I'm a poor boy from the land. I mean, born and raised poor, man. And I, 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 I'm just overwhelmed that I had this opportunity, not once. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, but I didn't have it once. I had it twice. And then years later, I have it again three times I've been. God is faithful. His love for you, his desire for you. It's more than what you can imagine. What makes up this life, what really is the, is the, is the, the, the nooks and cranny of our existence, what really puts measure to our existence, God wants to give you and I that life, and he wants to give it to us in abundance. So I want to share with you those, some memories from those sites and some things that Lord has showed me and some testimonies from those times. I want to talk about Jerusalem first off. You know, when you leave, when you land in the Tel Aviv, you 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 ride you get a car, and uh you for us we drove into to to Jerusalem and 
as you're coming through, you're riding through some it's, it's, it's rocky desert, it's mountainous desert. I wouldn't say that it's like sand desert. It's mountainous desert. It's like there's these mountains all around, and it's just dry, uh, blonde rock. You know, it's this real light-colored rock that's real hard, real stony, real hilly, and it's all over. Well, you're leaving Tel Aviv, and you're coming to Jerusalem, and as you're coming, you notice that you're just gradually making your way up to Jerusalem. You're gradually making your way up there. And uh, it's it's it sets up, you know. It's just not on a mountain. It's like a it's a slope that m- makes its way up to Jerusalem. And then when you come around a corner, you look to your left. There's a little ravine and a like a like a um uh I don't know what it is. Whatever's between a mountain and a, <laughs> a little crescent in the, in the side of the road, it's a cliff. And then you look up and then you see this city. You know, Zion, (laughs) you know, and it just sets on these mountains, Zion. And there's these houses are honed into the into the what it looks like is the mountain. It's just beautiful how it just sets and perfectly blends in with the rest of the the scenery. It's breathtaking. You know, and we get into Jerusalem and the excitement that you feel, the smell, the hustle, the bustle and just the excitement that this is overwhelming. You go to the streets of the old city, and you could see in some places the, the the stones from Roman era, the road Roman roads. You can see in the old city around the walls around the old city, and in some areas of there's still walls from Hezekiah's day when Hezekiah came back. No, Nehemiah, excuse me. When Nehemiah came back and he rebuilt the walls. Man, just so powerful. And you can see how big these walls are around the city of David. And my goodness, when David says in Psalm 18, 29, with my God, I can leap these walls. These walls are 18 to 20 foot high, uh, 8 to 12 foot thick. And David's like, I could supernaturally, with my God, leap these walls. Then you got the Kidron Valley in between the city of David, the, the Temple Mount, and on the other side is a valley, and on the other side is uh, the Mount of Olives, where Jesus uh, would come from every day during his last week. And uh, that Kidron Valley, the Bible says that when he returns, he's going he's gonna to stand on the Mount of Olives and crack it open, and blood's going to fill the Kidron Valley. Man, what a, what a powerful thought just to witness that. Then you can walk over to Hezekiah's tunnel. Hezekiah's tunnel is mind-boggling. It's an engineer marvel that that during the time of Hezekiah, they wanted to, to have access to the water that was outside of the city walls. And so what they did was they dug down in one area in the middle of the city. They dug down on the mountain, and they started where the water is, and they one group was coming to them, the other group was coming from the from the top of the mountain, coming down into the ground, and then making their way over to where the people started, where the water was. And still to this day, water runs through that. It's over almost about two miles long. What a marvel! What a marvel! Then you go to the garden tomb. You go and you see just where Jesus paid it all. Mount Moriah, where 
which is the Temple Mount and uh, where the Holies of Holies, there's some, still some remnants. And uh, you could see where just so much history where Abraham offered up uh, Isaac unto the Lord. And then uh, <laughs> the last time I was there, this is so powerful. I was with Brother Cliff and John and John's son. And I told him, I said, let me have a day just to walk around. They went to Hezekiah's tunnel and saw some different uh, sites. And I woke up early and I started walking around the Jerusalem streets. And uh, I went to, the, I was going to get some shoes, some flip flops for my father in law and for my wife. And I walked into this shop and uh, it was a Jewish man from Iran. And uh, he, he said, you are a holy man. And I'm like, me? And he sat me down in his chair and he just like unbelievable, just began to saturate me with the testimony of God and with the word of God and with the promises of God. He's a Jewish man. And he began to bless me. He put a, 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 a robe on, he put like a, a prayer shawl over me. And he began to bless me, and he, I mean, he just kept saying I was a holy man. I was his first customer, and he just, man, he blessed me. But he gave me this paper, and this paper was, it was uh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, verse 4. It's the, hero, the Shema, the hero Lord, the Lord our God is one God. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one God. It's the Shema. He gave that to me, and he says, listen, you put this in your wallet. It's a, it's a contact. He says, you put that in your wallet, and you let the Lord bless you. And I'm like, I walked out of there, and I was so overwhelmed. And I'm like, what in the world just happened? Plus, he gave me like a whole bunch of stuff for almost nothing. I'm like, stuff that was, I mean, being the first, he just blessed me. It was overwhelming. I walk out of there just overwhelmed. Like, man, what just happened? Oh, and real presence of God. And I put that piece of paper in my wallet, like he told me to. He says, it's a contact, meaning like it, this is a, something that God has blessed, and it's just a reminder that God has blessed. And put it in your wallet, God's blessed your finances. Up to that point, I never had any cash in my wallet. You can ask my wife. From that moment that that gentleman gave me that, God just began to, to pour money into my wallet, not like a whole bunch but people would hand me money after I preached, which would never happen before, and I would put it away. I call it seed money, and God just began to fill it. And to this day, some five years later, my wallet has not been empty. Hallelujah. Where before there was empty. But since that time and that blessing, I mean, it was just a special moment. And in Gaddy, we went from En Gaddy. En Gaddy's where David ran from. Saul and he hid into the caves. It's actually one of my favorite places. You go, it's in the it's in a very mountainous region. You go down, Jerusalem sets up, you go down and from the desert, down to 90, and you get all the way to the end, past Jericho, you turn right, and uh you keep going down, 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 uh, to where you would reach very near to the the uh, Dead Sea, which is the lowest point on earth. It's so hot. It's the Judean desert, and it's just so hot, and uh, it's not really a desert like sand like you think in the movies or in a picture. It's it's mountainous rocks that are dried out, and uh, we, man, I learned so much in that area, meditated so much. The first time I went there, it's a, it's a hiking area in Getty. It has the David's waterfalls and David's caves where he hid. And uh, these this waterfalls are like a spring. I mean, it's in the middle of the desert, and then there's this oasis. 
that just kind of caves in. It's so beautiful. And a lot of the Psalms were written there. Psalm 104 was written there. Just a powerful, powerful Psalm. And uh, we, me and, me and my first time I went there, I went with Joel, and uh, we we were swimming in one of the pools because, you know, with the with the big waterfall, it kind of keeps trickling down and it would make different pools. It just keeps running. It's like a little stream. It comes down this huge uh, cliff. It's probably about four stories high. Then it'll go down, you know, a stream a little bit and there'll be like a, a one and a half story waterfall and then a one story waterfall. And it goes to like a little pool. Every time it does a waterfall, it'll be like a little pool. Well, the second waterfall, which is about a story and a half, it has a nice size pool, and we went there to swim. It was hot, so we <laughs> we go there and uh, we go to jump in the water. And I noticed, you know, there's some other, there's some Israelis there swimming as well. And um, we're, he was already in the water, and we jump out and we jump in and we're swimming. We're young and having a good time. And then all of a sudden, this guy, the Israeli guy that was in the water with us, he gets up out of the water, and I'm like, this guy is naked man he ain't got no clothes on and we're swimming in this water with him and i'm like man what in the world is going on here oh this is, this is awful i'm like this is pretty you know but he's israeli so he climbs on top of this rocks and he goes up to the top of the waterfall and i'm like man what is he doing ain't nobody want to see that stuff what's he doing i'm getting out of the water at this time drying off getting out of there i'm like this is crazy this dude, Joel's still swimming, by the way. This dude goes butt naked and he sits on the waterfall. <laughs> Nastiest thing I've ever seen. Set on the waterfall and he stopped the waterfall up from going. Then he'll, he'll like lift himself up and the waterfall would, you know, it backed up behind him. Then he got up and it would keep going. And I'm, I, I got mad, man. I said, man, this dude right here, we left. <laughs> I said, I ain't trying to, I'm getting away from him. And so we, we climb up the mountain on the other side. We climb up the mountain a little bit, headed towards David's cave. And as we go up the mountain, we stop and we started reading Psalm 104, which is uh, one of the Psalms that David wrote while he was sitting there and uh, while he was hiding from Saul. And I'm telling you, you, we sat there and we began to read this and I'm going to read some of it to you. And it's so powerful. He says he wraps himself with light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent. And we're sitting there like, oh, my gosh, you could see this. You could see sitting on this mountain. You could see the Dead Sea. You could see part of the Red Sea. You could see just, oh, man, it's just beautiful. And he set the earth on its foundations. It can never be moved. You covered it with deepest with a garment. The water stood above the mountains. But at your rebuke, the waters fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took to flight. They flowed over the mountains. They went down into the valleys to the place you assigned for them. You set a boundary. They can not cross. Listen to this. He makes springs pour out into the ravines. It flows between the mountains. And I'm looking, we're reading this, and I'm looking at the spring coming down the mountains into ravines. They give water to all the beasts of the field. Listen to this. Wild donkeys quench their thirst. When we read that, we read it from the King James Version. And it doesn't say wild donkeys. It says wild blank. 
And I'm telling you, I just started dying laughing. I'm like, my goodness, this is so divine. It's like I'm looking at all this now and looking at what takes place. And then I'm like, he quenches the thirst of wild donkeys. Oh, my gosh. So that was pretty powerful. And then we went to the the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee is so special. That's where Jesus did most of his ministry. That's where he lived for almost three and a half years with Simon Peter and around that area. Just a special, special place. Beautiful, beautiful area. Uh, The Sea of Galilee is really a lake. It's about uh, seven by 11 miles wide, seven miles wide and 11 miles long about, something like that. And uh, it's where Jesus, near there is where Jesus was baptized. It's the Mount of Beatitudes and, and where Jesus called the majority of his disciples. One night I was there walking around the lake in uh, the Sea of Galilee. And uh, it was nice, it was a cool breeze, you know, at night with the wind and stuff. It was beautiful. And I just started thinking about the call of God upon my life and uh, how from the, the, the Gospel of Mark, when I came home one night from praying, the Lord says, you were a fisherman, but I'm going to make you a fisher of men. The Lord says he wanted me. You have a plan for your life. I want you. And uh, see, my dad's last name was Fisher. And I never met him. And it was like I was living under a curse. I was living under rejection. I was living without. But, but God says, hey, I want you. I'm going to take what, what he messed up. I'm going to take you what... What you're, the curse you're under, and I'm going to bless you and give you a blessing. I'm going to turn it around. You see, I even named my son, Sean Fisher, as a testimony never to forget that God can turn it around. That God, what God bless is blessed indeed. I'll never forget sitting there by that lake and, one, and just remembering where I came from. The, the years of construction, the years, the time setting in jail years before. But having that curse lift off of me and him saying, hey, I want you. I got a life for you. You were a fisherman, but I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I was really overwhelmed. And I thought, you know, some 2,000 years before, Jesus himself felt called some guys very similar to me very similar to you they didn't have nothing to offer they didn't they didn't have the riches of the world they didn't have the intelligence or clout or noble noble means they probably felt rejected in many ways but Jesus said hey I want you I want to give you life and I want to give it to you in abundance. You have an enemy that's totally after you. He's totally a thief. And he wants to do everything in his power and his agenda to steal from you, if able to kill you, if even possible to destroy you. But Jesus said he's, he's not only come to stop him or to thwart his plan, but he's come to give you in our life and give it abundantly God is into that he's into the the abundance the things that makes life worth living so 
Sometimes we get sick and tired or sidetracked about chasing the things that we think really matter, only to come to the end and find out that they didn't matter at all. The things that really matter is the things that He has given us in abundance. So today, right now, as you listen to this, as you journey with Jesus, I want you to remember the people He has put into your life. I want you to remember all the amazing memories that He's given you. And you know that it was only Him that could provide those. And I want you to thank Him for life and the life that He's given you abundantly. It's overflowing. God, may we never forget where you've brought us from and where you're bringing us. God, even things that, Lord, sometimes we don't understand that the gentleman jumping on top of the water fall. But yet, God, you've shown me that your word is alive and it's applicable even today journey with us Lord and you care about every ounce and every part and every moment every second every conversation of our life and we ask God let it overflow Lord help our lives to overflow with you with your anointing with your power to those who mean the most to us Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Well, God bless you real good. God bless you all the way. And we'll see you next time on Sean and the Word.